Well, hello and welcome. It is time for Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd, and we are continuing our series all about cloud. We covered public cloud. If you missed it, the replay is available. I encourage you to check that out because we are now in step two, part two, whatever the right terminology is. And we're always in here. We are specifically talking about are you ready for, are you actually ready? Let me make sure I put that in there for a private cloud. The answers are not as clear cut as I would have thought when I first started getting into this. This is good, exciting stuff. It's all about transformation of your business, but you need to make sure that you're operating with the very best information possible. And unfortunately, there's no clean answers to anything, but there is certainly better ways to make these decisions. And we have assembled a team of experts to do that. So let's get started with them. Just one moment. Again, you're watching Tech 37, your home for technology, education, and collaboration. Let's meet the experts. Every time I thought that would fade the music a little bit more elegantly there. It sounded on my end like that was a bit <laughs> abrupt. Either way, here's here's the experts as they're informally called just prior to us starting uh, our set of nesting dolls, which we may or may not explain here in just a moment. Let's do some introductions, gentlemen, because I'm kind of excited to have you guys on the panel today. I'm going to start right above me here with uh, Mr. Sean Hicks, a very regular Tech uh, 37 yes. Hi, contributor. Yes, yeah, a regular on Tech 37. I am the Tech 37 as Steve Martin is the SNL. Um, uh, very nice. <laughs> so Sean Hicks. I am a technical solution architect uh, for uh, Worldwide Technology, and I cover hybrid cloud solutions. And so you're a technical solutions architect, and then I believe also is a technical solutions architect, and we'll get to why that's funny to me anyway in just a moment. James, let's have you go next. Yeah, so uh, I'm on the same team with Sean, uh, and I have been on your show before, Rob, so it's uh, always fun to come back. I always ask that every uh, time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember so, you. I love so, it. Yeah, the nesting doll thing is is kind of funny because uh, Sean covers the bigger picture at the hybrid cloud, and then I cover software-defined data center as a subcomponent of the hybrid cloud strategy. Perfect. Well, I'm glad to have you here and glad to have you back, and I'll reintroduce myself <laughs> next time as well. That's always a funny <laughs> thing to do. Uh, Jeff, it's been good working with you again as well. Uh, Jeff, tell us what you do that's similar or dissimilar to what these gentlemen claim to be doing. Yeah, so I uh, cover hyperconverge essentially, which to keep going on the Russian doll thing uh, is a subcomponent of the SDDC overall topic. So um, that's that's kind of my role here, and uh, hopefully the value that I'll bring to this conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you've brought value even in the prep. So I'm looking forward to all this because one reason that I like you guys in particular is because you're not afraid, and I think it's because you've worked together so much. You're not afraid to. Uh, to, to mix it up a little bit with each other and call it out very quickly, which is important here. We're only working with 37 minutes total. Um, but let's get to this. So this is a series about cloud. There's ostensibly a value in doing something with a cloud, but I also think it's some of the most abused terminology often by people who don't mean to abuse the terminology. They may not even know what they're saying or, or not saying, and then that can affect how you might be working with them. You guys all work with customers at various levels and, of course, at various stages Sean, why don't you kick us off and give us what's important to understand from a definition perspective of private cloud and why is that perhaps a distinct um, thing for this discussion? Yeah, I think one of the problems that we run into all the time is customers throwing around the idea of private cloud just being anything that's on-prem, and that's not exactly true. Uh, cloud is an operating model as defined by uh, the NIST. Uh, specifically, it has characteristics such as uh, elasticity, scalability, self-service provisioning, ubiquitous network access, uh, being offered as a metered service. All of these things go into a cloud operating model. 
And when we talk about private cloud, the NIST's definition goes on to define that as simply one of the deployment models. So when we say private cloud, that just means that you own that particular cloud, but it doesn't negate the need to satisfy all of those different characteristics of cloud computing. Well, and I see you put the word computing after that. James, you want to build on that? Uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> essentially, uh, to go along with what Sean's saying is exactly. I, we we have a lot of you know work with customers where they're they're trying to build something that they're referring to a cloud, but a lot of times what they're building is virtualized infrastructure. So, so we define it as cloud is really three things. It's a technology component, right, which is a software defined data center, which is required in every cloud, private or public. Every cloud is built on a software-defined data center. And then there's organizational and operational transformation. And the difference for private cloud is that you have to lift all three of these buckets at once. Whereas with public cloud, the technical bit is already there and you're gonna have to adopt some amount of your organization and some amount of your operations, but largely it's predefined for you. So private cloud is an extra challenge because I have three buckets starting from zero. I gotta carry them all the way up the hill. And so you've got this thing, you're saying it's, it's, it's not the same thing as a virtualized data center, uh, which is very technology specific. And usually when you guys are talking about really doing things different in the data center from a virtualization perspective, we've all met before and talked on this show about SDDC or software defined data center. And that's fine and good. And that may be all someone's interested in, but there is a distinction in your mind if a customer comes to you and says, well, we want uh, help with what we are doing in cloud computing or we are doing cloud computing, but it doesn't feel like we're doing it right or whatever it may be. That is, sounds like one of those distinctions you need to understand, at least from the technology perspective, because then you're going to tie it into these various operating models that then become important distinctions as well. Is that, a, is that roughly in the right distinctive ballpark? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that's a great way to think of it. And I think it's um, one easy kind of separation of is this an IT initiative, which is probably just a technical transformation, or is this a business initiative? Is the CEO or CIO involved in this, or is this coming from the director over infrastructure? Those are hugely different programs, right? Because yeah. to get to private cloud, I actually have to change the way finance works. I need to change the way you know, the, the organization is aligned. I need to create liaisons between business and IT and stuff like that. So, so Jeff, bringing you in, because I know you've got a lot of expertise around in the software defined data center specifically, um, as if I'm remembering correctly, you do, you have a lot of focus in um, uh, really the hyperconvergence infrastructure and things like this. But even when you're working with customers and you're maybe building on top of that, do those, do you agree with those distinctions being made? Does that become important to verify or, or kind of correct course if someone says, we're interested in doing these things, but all their actions actually are speaking to something that's just software defined as opposed to up leveling it and making sure they're targeting the right thing. Is that how you look at it as well? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, big time. Uh, and, and to just kind of hit on James's point, it's not just a technology issue. It's an operational uh, and organizational issue. Uh, you know, I the, the rigor and discipline, it's not just saying, yeah, we're going to create a private cloud team. Uh, and, and do all or say all the right things, but you actually have to go through with it and you have to be willing to essentially fail, learn from your failure and then move on and readjust course wherever is needed. But um, absolutely, it's it's something that is oftentimes overlooked on the operational or organizational side that uh, needs a lot more, um, we'll call it structure around it than just words on a PowerPoint. 
I want to pick on a hot button of, well, I think it's all of your hot buttons, but for Sean specifically, uh, because as, as he started mentioning, he said, obviously, you don't want to do this, but I like to pretend that, that he didn't say that just for the sake of the argument. Um, but this notion of building a cloud computing team or assigning certain individuals to help get this initiative underway or something, what's wrong with doing something like that? And feel free, however you want to answer that, because what I want to get to is, is you guys have published and there's different versions for different clouds and there's good argument points around it, but I would like to talk about the maturity model because I like it as a model, not necessarily as a, a model in the sense of here's the only way to do anything or define stages or something, but yeah, I'm curious about siloed teams and how does that work into understanding how you might begin to apply things towards a model that you want to work on? Yeah, so siloing is often a bad word um, and and with good reason. It definitely has negative connotations in an IT um, you know, conversation. And a lot of that stems from teams just not talking to each other and a lot of an organization's headaches sort of coming from that. And where we've seen customers kind of go into cloud transformations, be it private or public, these these you know centers of cloud excellence that get built, uh, a lot of organizations refer to it as that, are really multi-talented uh, teams, right? They're bringing in people from storage, they're bringing in people from, from networking, they're bringing in people from security, they're bringing in people from virtualization and compute. And the main thing that all of these stakeholders have in common is, is hopefully they were selected because they are champions of transforming the organization and moving uh, towards a business outcome where, whereby the business can realize the benefits of a cloud operating model. Typically what ends up happening though is different aspects of getting there, maybe such as automation, for instance, you have a team get really good at that. Maybe it's your network team, maybe it's your storage team, but then that, that, that intellectual property and that, um, that sort of revolutionary thought process kind of just stays within that team. So we really like to see these, you know, these, these teams of many different talents get built to go out and achieve these transformations. But at the same time, we're now seeing a new layer of siloing between clouds as we move towards, uh, you know, maybe adopting multiple public clouds, and then you've got your private cloud, and maybe you even have multiple private clouds, depending on which STDCs you're adopting and transforming around. And so the new siloing, actually, we see organizations building like this is the AWS team, and this is the VMware team, and this is the Google Cloud team. Um, and for now, I don't know how we're going to get around that, yeah. uh, but but essentially from a strategy perspective, right? I, I know we've already had an episode uh, with, uh, you know, Yoni and uh, Galen, okay. but from a strategy perspective, you know, you have to lift strategy up above implementation and say, mm -hmm. this is our strategy for cloud transformation. And it doesn't really matter what you're plugging into the bus from underneath. Well, it does feel like you're fighting against things there. Yeah, James, go ahead. I, I was going to say to to add on to what Sean's saying because I think there's a nuance under the covers there that's not necessarily obvious. One of those transformations that we're talking about is typically infrastructure people are kind of in a different class than application people, right? Our customers are not the same people, but we, if you can think of the infrastructure people that work for a public cloud provider, they're very similar to application people. They are supporting the public cloud platform. Right. Okay. That has to be available all the time. There can't be, you know, considerations around, hey, we're just infrastructure guys working in the background. We, you know, what we do, our tools aren't that important. Nobody's logging in. So, so these kind of considerations, this becomes a business critical system, that private cloud platform itself and the tooling that is front ending our services 
are suddenly putting us into a different layer of support. And that requires a whole rethink about how infrastructure teams operate and what their mission is. Because suddenly, you know, there are all these other users in the business that depend on us. See, that's so interesting uh, because yeah, it feels exactly. like you, you can yeah, accidentally absolutely. get into these silos is what I'm hearing because yeah. you need people with certain levels of expertise, but at the same time, you want to avoid the silos, but how do you scale? How do you begin, even if you yeah. do have that top mandate and you've, and you've, you've championed, the, the right people are championed and they're, uh, what's the right word? They're armed with the, the tool set and, and the, um, help me out, Sean, when you're, the, the president said, I've got the ability to tell you what to do. Why am I drawing a blank on that word? Either way, pick up where you were going, but it's ugh, the charter. Nah, I'll get it in a minute. Well, I was going to throw a ride on to James Rain. because I, I failed to mention earlier that when you're building these centers of cloud excellence for the transformation of the business and to go out and achieve all, the, all these objectives, I, I, I only mentioned IT roles. There are other roles on hmm. that team, right? Because you've got your, you've got your, um, your customers, whether they're internal or external, right? Your end users. And a lot of those uh, in, in the modern sense are going to be application developers because we know every single organization is becoming a software uh, organization at this point. So you've got to bring those people in. And those people could be coming from all different aspects of the business. They could be coming from HR. They could be coming from marketing. And uh, their their input on this process is just as valuable as anybody else. So I wanted to, to give James a shout out for calling me out there because one of the problems that we don't want to fall into is making cloud, be it private or public, an IT problem. It's not an IT problem. It's a business problem that needs to be addressed. Right. Um, and at the same time, you know, what you're talking about, Rob, is I think you just kind of draw a line in the sand. We see this a lot as customers uh, move towards, uh, say, container platforms, where you know, an organization might just say, you know what, starting on this date, all future custom software development in our organization has to be done in containers. And and then they just make that move. Now, whether or not those kinds of mandates are the right thing, uh, you know, we can have a debate about that. But but definitely, you know, just drawing a line in the sand and, and, and establishing those sort of goalposts. Where are you trying to get to next, right? Eating the elephant a bite at a time, as, you know, as we often say in IT. What's the next step? Where do we go from here? Yeah. And uh, I think that's possibly a good transition to, uh, you know, talking more about sort of a maturity curve. But the reality is it's that's how we get there. We don't get there by boiling the ocean. We get there a little bit at a time. Well, so so let's jump that then. So on the on the when we think about these, uh, you're talking about the curve or the, the legacy, uh, not legacy, I'm putting words into the next step already. The cloud maturity model, I think I've most uh, heard it referred to most often. And there's there's a few on some web pages we'll send to, uh, that we send out as a follow-up as part of this that I'll show at the end of the show and some things like this for, because uh, you guys have some good resources. And they're, they're loose models, I feel like, for helping you figure out and, and kind of re reinforcing the notion that you are here you want to get to somewhere over here. Let's agree on what those you need to agree both where you currently are as well as where you're currently targeting to go, and then and ideally build towards the baby steps that are going to take you to making that big step. Um, what in your mind? Because I'm looking at the list of ones that we've had, one that when that James shared with me specifically that he liked, and then there's one I've seen on the pages, and they're all somewhat the same. They both start with legacy infrastructure, legacy IT. Um, let's first design, define the outer edges. What, what's the goal? And is it something you ever truly finish? Uh, what is the outside goal, ignoring the middle steps for a moment that we'd be targeting here? What does it look like? What is a, what is a, an organization that's, that's got it going on? 
they don't need WWT's help. You're like, well, yeah. you guys are rocking. I, I, I love for, uh, you know, in prep for this, James came up with a great idea that really it's a maturity on those, those three facets, right. Of uh, people process and technology. So James, I'm gonna let you expand on that. Cause I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think in all clouds, public, private, hybrid clouds, you know, any cloud you can think of, there really are three separate maturity curves. The difference is in a public cloud, you know, one and a half of those are already completed for me. So I don't have to do anything. The technology is already in place. Gotcha. That's what so, you're paying. But paying yeah. yeah. But when I'm building a private cloud, I've got to, I've got to do the technology side. So I've got to engage IT. There's a whole bunch of work that has to be done there. There's hugely transformational things. But if my strategy isn't leading them across those other two areas, they can go off into the weeds. They can start making decisions and, and they'll seem like innocuous decisions. There'll be some how we're going to handle verfs inside of the private cloud. And you're thinking, ah, it's just a technical decision, but it affects what the ultimate uh, you know, capabilities of this private cloud are and how it can actually be leveraged by the business because it, it, it can steer you towards a legacy support model. So that understanding of the organizational transformation and the operational transformation is really important. Like you, you were kind of hinting at it earlier about operations. Like how do I, you know, how do I prevent them from just kind of devolving into their silos again? And, you know, once they're part of this, uh, center of excellence team. And, and it really comes down to uh, pushing the mandate that you are not going to support every user's database problem, right? If I have a problem with a database query on AWS uh, on a database that I deployed, Amazon's infrastructure team doesn't answer my call, right? They do not care. You figure it out. Here's the metrics that we provide about the health of that infrastructure. We have dashboards showing, you know, how things are operating. And if there's a problem with that, you let us know, but otherwise, uh, you know, it's on you. And, and so that shift and how we think about operations is really critical because we, we have to be thinking that the users are going to be responsible for themselves, right? They so are James, going to, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead yeah, sorry. I, you said something earlier about, um, you know, making the decision uh, on the technology side is going to have a downstream, essentially a downstream effect of how the business actually affects or how it affects the business moving forward with the building out of the SCBC or the private cloud. But I, I guess one of the big questions that uh, uh, is out there often that I'm getting from customers is should I start bottom up and build into the SCBC or should I start top down looking at the business requirements and then figuring out what technologies fall into that space to actually solve said problems? Was well, there a, a third one though? Yeah. Is it both? both? Yeah, well, I don't, cause I don't know how you make that distinction. Need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But at, at some point, if you make a technology decision, it will drive fortunately, unfortunately, how the outcome of the business requirements right. actually get solved. And, and I would say, instead of the word drive, I, I would actually say it, it inhibits, it doesn't actually drive the business to go one way or the other, but it will limit them. Like it will put a boundary like, Oh yeah, sorry. You can't do that because you know, the technology box doesn't fit that paradigm. Uh, so, so to your point, Jeff, I think it depends on the organization. So uh, hopefully you have a visionary at the top of your company, right? Uh, who is willing to understand what this transformation is about. And this, this should ideally be the CEO, you know, CIO yeah. that level who's saying, look, this is the transformation we're going to go through and I'm on board. I'll support this. But if it does come bottom up, 
you really need technical people that understand this isn't a hundred percent technical problem. So sometimes I'm going to make a decision that's harder on the technical guys, but it's intended to benefit the operations and organizational transformation. That is really hard for technical guys to do. Like that's and why they shouldn't have to be champions, doing. right? Those yeah. champions we talked about earlier come in, the people that want to see the business transformed and operate differently. Um, and yeah. they're, they're difficult to find, but when you find them, those are the people that, that are going to be able to pitch that to higher ups when you don't have that, um, you know, executive leader who says, you know, come on guys, let's go. You got to have those strong people who can pitch that vision up so that the organization will adopt it and put, and put the backing behind it because it's not an easy journey. Yeah. Uh, and we, and we don't often know where to start. We have whole whole workshops devoted to helping customers figure out where they are so that we can help them figure out what the next step is. Um, and the, yeah, so I just think that those people are, are hugely critical. Honestly, whether or not you have a visionary executive, as, as James pointed out, um, I think that those 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 champions for, for business transformation, those people who want to see things done differently, they want to see innovation, they want their day-to-day busy work to go away in favor of things that are actually impactful. And they understand how that day-to-day translates to the objectives and initiatives of the organization. Those people are invaluable. Here's what's interesting here is, in, and I, you brought up a couple of things that I'm glad you went ahead and made that jump because what I was having trouble, there's no secret. I've got biases uh, as host of a worldwide technology show um, that uh, you know, a big thing that, that we talk about here is we want to expose the fact that these are things that you guys do with customers every day. And every customer is at a different, they may not even be up to the maturity level to where you can start talking about the cloud maturity curve. They may be somewhere in the middle or or, or somewhere else. And often that feels like half the battle, you may be figuring that out. But as you're saying, Sean, I feel like the, the value here is you, sometimes maybe you do need to come to someone like you guys to be a third party technical uh, educated voice i don't know technical is not important either because you've there is always going to be a challenge even with an executive mandate uh, of some sort that says we've got to get this done that you know as james says there's there's portions that need to happen in all areas of technical operational and organizational and because any one voice out of those areas that that starts to sound like it's infringing on the other voices might be met with a, a bit of a resistance that is inhibiting the ability to make those steps forward. You need the analysis maybe to come and, you know, you need your doctor to not be from within, you know, the house. I'm trying to figure out what metaphor I'm going for here. Um, I'm just saying you want your doctor at the zoo during a carnival. And I think that's clear. I'm just kidding. I'd have no idea what that means. Um, But does that make sense in terms of the, the value that you guys may provide as being a third party outside person, consultative, weighing in and saying, Here's what we advise, and this is why this information is still needed before we can even advise you to make a decision over here. We've got to gather data. We need you guys to do these things. I assume, you know, uh, Sean, you mentioned these workshops. Is that the kind of thing you start getting into there? Well, and even to to discover what the real objective of the organization is, you know, as James pointed out in prep, maybe they don't want a private cloud. Maybe they just want all the underlying components to get there, right? Uh, maybe they're, they're hamstrung by compliance, uh, things or some other reasoning why they, they, they're not really looking to achieve a cloud operating model. Maybe they just want an SDDC. That's okay. If that's the end goal, but but, yes, you're saying they use words that mean one thing to you, but upon further question, you realize, no, I think what you want is 
a hyperconverged infrastructure uh, to solve some some narrow issues over here. I would not call that cloud computing. And, you know, ultimately, of course, you don't care what they call it, but you yeah. do want to make sure they're spending money in the right areas and time in the right. You know, working, with, the right working with these guys, I, I feel like uh, Jeff in particular is extremely good at helping customers. You know, figuring out what what they're really trying to do and whether or not there might be alternative ways to get there. Um, mm. You know, so lauding Jeff for a little bit there, but. Um, but absolutely, right? Figuring out where they're at, figuring out what they're actually trying to get to, and if if achieving you know that that transformational um, you know cloud operating model is the objective, then okay, let's go after that. And it's absolutely okay to ask for help. You know, I tell my daughters that all the time. Um, it's you know maybe within your organization, you know, you're really strong and you've gotten ninety percent of the way there great. Good for you. Right. How do we get that extra 10%? And we can, we can go out and we can find people who can help. We can go out and we can find products that will help. Uh, but, but, but organizationally that, that, that change, that want, that desire to get there, that's sort of the driving force that we have, to, that we have to see. Could I come to you if I feel like I'm a, let's say that I'm a, let's just imagine for a moment that I'm a well-placed executive and a big company and, but I feel like everything I've tried to do in my own company is falling on deaf ears in terms of, of promoting a model that I know that the company needs and wants. And for whatever reason, I can't seem to, one, I may have trouble slowing down. I feel like that happens a lot and just gathering the data because you know, everybody's got day jobs. But also just uh, helping explain to the rest of the organization uh, on my behalf. Do you get customers that come to you and go, hey, I'm on board with how we want to do this, but I need your help understanding how do we... Uh, how do we gather the right argument to present it in the right manner? And I say argument in a positive way is the way I always mean it, you know, just a good conversation. Um, I don't know. Do you have people come to you like that, 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 that are looking for help in, in expanding, landing and expanding in their own organizations? So uh, for sure. Uh, and, and we've kind of brought this up across the, 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 the course of this conversation, you, you have the networking team who's got a vision who wants to go do this, but doesn't necessarily line up to the compute or the storage team. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, when we start talking to those different folks who are coming to us, say, I need some help trying to rationalize this. Uh, one of the first things we do is say, look, you have these 15 requirements, but on a scale of one to 10 for these 15 requirements, they're not all equally important. Let's figure out what truly is important to you. Okay. And then once we have those metrics and the data, and by the way, it's not just you, it's everybody else that's involved in this conversation. But once we have that data, let's sit down and review it and say, look, these top five requirements were scaled, were, were scored a 10. These are the technologies and the ways that you can achieve these top five goals. And then the, the other 10 that are nice to have, we'll call them not necessarily 100% requirements, we can address them in some way, but these five top tens that's or these five top requirements that are were scaled or scored a 10 are really important for us to address up front. That being able to give that uh, we'll call it outside view in uh, and and putting the network person in the same room as the storage person in the same room as the CIO or CEO, whoever has that grand vision and being able to show everybody that they have different views on different things, but we can try to bring everybody together uh, is really an important step to actually achieving um, that private cloud or even just SDDC step. 
Well, and did we arrive at the answer? Did we decide SDDC is a preliminary step towards a cloud computing model? Um, and so if you were to say, is that an intermediate thing to, to target in, in, in the journey? It's a, it's a required step, but it's that it's one of the three maturity curves, right? Okay. So you have to deploy an SDDC and it could happen in parallel to these other, and, and ideally should, because the SDDC itself can go off the rails with small technical decisions that later you learn, oh gosh, we don't have a way to really charge back to our customers and we don't have a self-funding mechanism inside the SDDC because of these decisions that were made. And so therefore we can't actually properly transform finance to support so this. You don't we want never thought a vacuum if your if your end goal is cloud computing, you don't want to make certain yeah. technology decisions a vacuum thinking that they have no relevance because it could end up being right. wasted investment or time, you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Or you could yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of times you'll hear about failed private cloud initiatives and that's what happens, right? People build something in a in a corner of the data center and they go off and they spend thousands of man hours in there and then they can't actually realize the, the benefits of it because it doesn't actually align to what, what uh, works. Maybe it's incompatible with the financial systems or or its funding mechanism was never thought out or or the way they did verse, you know, doesn't allow for a certain level of automation for services delivery, things like that. Oh, you yeah. hate to see that because then you're, you're probably, if, if you're just meeting a customer at that point where they've already got it in their head that private cloud failed for them, it just doesn't work in our culture or something. And you're like, well, can we understand a little bit more about what you have attempted and what your results were and such? Because that sounds kind of harsh. Because I think, um, yeah. obviously, I, I think the safe assumption, you guys are pro-cloud and you're pro-SDDC. It feels like the market has already said these models, however you want to define them, are going to be key for remaining competitive, for being able to um, compete essentially on what the playing field is. You've got to be able to to move at the speed of that type of technology infrastructure with these type of operating models in your business. and and But getting there is, is the hard part, um, especially for companies yeah, that know, I assume you guys work with a lot who have legacy infrastructure, something they, they, they don't have the luxury of building from scratch. They've got to figure out how do we rotate in while we're still in motion. You know, and Rob, I, I, I'll put something out there that maybe these guys will disagree with, but I would say you're going to fall into one of, three categories around cloud. You're, you're either going to build your own private cloud mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then you'll support probably a hybrid cloud model or a multi-cloud model, or you're going to move everything to public cloud at some point, right? And then the third category is you're somehow restricted from adopting cloud and your business is going to move slower than the rest of the world. Right, so you're you're going to either speed up to catch up with everybody else, and that's either building your own cloud on prem or eventually deprecating all that um, that that. Uh, yeah, it does feel like what you learn in the in the efforts of building a private cloud are certainly going to help um, in terms of any other decision that you may need to make down the road because it becomes because your infrastructure has had to shift your your thinking and your cultural yeah. processes. Uh, that are going to have to change no matter what. Because I feel like public cloud, they fall into the trap. We discussed this on the previous episode, just shout out, um, with the notion that you could fall in this trap of just thinking, oh, I'm going to public cloud because I need someone just to do this for me. And you can accidentally fall into this thing of wasting a ton of money and realizing that, no, the idea is never to replicate the way you've been doing things. It's not just someone else's data center in, in any of these scenarios. Sean, yeah, did I that's, cut you off? that's exactly right. Because when we talk about, well, I mean, we're throwing around, we're throwing around cloud, private, public, hybrid. 
the reality is that that abstraction layer that's necessary, right? What we what we've defined as the STDC, which is a preliminary requirement to get to a cloud operating model. When you are adopting a public cloud, you are adopting somebody else's STDC, right? So if that's AWS, you're getting AWS's STDC. And if you move into that with the same organizational mindset that you had, you know, back in the days of, you know, um, legacy IT, you're going to, you're going to have all the same issues that you had before, because you're just replacing, you're just replacing storage with storage services. You're just replacing compute with compute services. You're just replacing network and security with network and security services. But and they'll sell it to you. Yeah. Keep, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. They're, they're more than happy to, to send you the bill every month for all those different things people thought they needed and went out and spun up. But at the end of the day, if you go into it with, with that, with that same mindset, that you had when you were building traditional IT infrastructure, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. And we actually, you know, we were doing some uh, research recently. Uh, each of us were on our various uh, areas of business within our organization. And uh, I came up with some interesting information about uh, how organizations are, um, are overall uh, wasting about 30% of their public cloud spend. And oh, um, yeah. it's not that they hate public cloud. It's that they need to get smarter about how they operate and and gain those those cost efficiencies, and that means adopting some of these organizational transformations we've been talking about. And if they you know do that across the board, you know now we have a lot of flexibility within our organization about about workloads. We have an IT department that's presenting value back to the organization. We have um, we have a happier user base that is yeah. able to go do the things they need to do without you know getting slapped on the wrist all the time because they later find out in an audit that you know someone didn't have the correct oversight those those kinds of operational uh, changes need to need to occur in order for the organization to truly adopt a cloud operating model public or private to what james was talking about earlier with you know everybody falling into one of three categories I sort of disagree with him. Not 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 a hundred percent I feel like it's How more of a good diagram with different circles touching <laughs> <Yeah>. each other. <laughs> yeah. Um but the but one thing is true, um, and that is that uh, some organizations this may not be right. A cloud operating model may not be right for your organization or right now. Yeah. You know, um, because you know there are some some organizations out there for which you know something like um, like uh, self service deployment of resources is a, it sounds like a complete and total nightmare. Uh, because they they want that stringent oversight of things, right? But Sean, so, would you would you agree yeah. that those customers will move slower? Like they will fall behind their peers. I, oh, yes, you that might be I absolutely right. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah, yeah that, that's that what I'm saying. They'll be there, but they will yeah. just the race will go past them. And and there's DoD entities and government entities. They'll just mm -hmm. fall back, right? Uh, they well, will you got to do your homework. That's the trade-off, right? Yeah, that's the trade-off. Is that you know, hey, we we can't do that, so we understand that we're going to have to you know not move as quickly as some of these organ other organizations who can, you know, throw up an yeah. entire um, you know. Uh, Kubernetes environment just to crunch the numbers for some insurance required um, calculation overnight and then tear it all back down again the next day and go about their business knowing that they've achieved maximum cost efficiency. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's that's a that's a total juxtaposition, but it's it's true that there are some people that this is just simply is not right for. And uh, there are other people who were, will excel and will excel in multiple clouds yeah. um, and and everything in between.
Well, and that's why this is a three-part series. I've pulled up the, the page. Uh, we'll give the full URL here. But you guys have a ton of resources. I was just going to say, we just keep running out of time. But, well, for one, this is a kind of a simplified version of the maturity model that we were speaking around the edges of here. Uh, that's on this page. Um, and so you can kind of see how these things uh, can potentially go. But I think the point that I like you guys are making, and I've had the benefit of meeting um, some mature customers of yours where I was incredibly impressed with, um, I can't name, I don't want to name names just in case I get something wrong here, but it was, it was a very old, you know, 100 year plus company, obviously has been through a ton of change just environmentally like we all have, you know, because <laughs> that goes back to uh, electricity becoming more common uh, before we got digital. But, but where they are actually working in these kind of models and they have goals for all the various departments that are properly aligned with the stuff that they're working towards in their own maturity. Um, and, and I thought that was a great sign of just saying, that to me becomes an example of when you've got metrics that everybody understands and they understand how they contribute in their own group, non-technology oriented departments uh, understand, well, what are the things that we're doing to contribute towards this and how is success measured? Those become to me examples. And these are things I think you guys are good at um, uh, working with customers on doing because this was a customer you guys have had for a, for a while. Um, but you guys have expertise across public, private, hybrid. So it's not as if if anyone calls any one of you guys, you've already got in mind about exactly which way you're going to steer them. <laughs> um, that all completely depends on where they are and where you collectively decide that they're going to go to next. But the um, And I'm speaking to the audience now. Uh, these uh, three gentlemen just represent a very small part of, of worldwide technology resources I think most people are familiar with Worldwide's uh, ATC, their Advanced Technology Center, where you can get remote access in physical, if you happen to be in one of the cities where they've got it, or they're right there in St. Louis, perhaps. Uh, but most beneficially, you can get hands-on with the technologies and the other things. But they've also got experts who are not just technology experts, but they're, they're cultural process change experts uh, that, that all work together depending on what is needed in each individual situation. And I think that that's one thing that you guys really bring to the table uniquely here through your workshops, through your classes, uh, you know, small, large, custom, and, you know, across the board, there's something for someone to fit into. And so we'll put up a URL here at the end that'll get you to more of these resources we've been showing on the screen. But gentlemen, I don't know if we answered the question, are you actually ready for a private cloud? I think we, um, but I do think we successfully raised good questions that need to be considered because my understanding of, right, we starting off with Sean, it's not just simply uh, on-premises. It's not an equivalent of a of data center doesn't equal that, and there's a lot there in between. But good stuff. I appreciate your time. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. And uh, to the rest of you, we'll return you to the rest of your day. Appreciate you watching Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd, and on behalf of the rest of the Worldwide Technology team, we'll see you on the next one.